G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey, and I'm joined by my dad, clinical psychologist Chris Mackey, and this is Psych Spiels and Silver Linings. G'day, Dad. How are you going today? Good, thanks, Rowan. Think I've got him a quota of exercise for the week. Yeah, how about yourself? Yeah, I'm going well, and that's good to hear, Dad. Good to hear our podcasts have landed in terms of the content and. Tell you what, I'm, I'm excited to hear a little bit more about this uh, later on because I have been hearing a little bit off air and I know you're very passionate about your, uh, your most recent activity that you've been doing. I must admit, it sounds like a bit of a bizarre activity, but it's become a bit of a passion counterintuitively. It's actually something that I've only developed since the COVID era, so to speak. It's one of the favourite things I've got out of the COVID era, a new kind of activity, bizarrely, Cold water swimming. Well, I'll tell you what, Dad. A, that's just ridiculous in itself to be doing that as an activity. Also, that's probably the most optimistic sentence I reckon I've ever heard. One of my favourite things I've gotten out of the COVID year. That's just an infectious positivity. I don't know if I've ever heard someone speak so glowingly about that period of time. But I suppose we'll find out a little bit more today about why you are so glowing about that period. We've called today's episode The Benefits Beyond the Barriers. So, Dad, we mentioned the uh, the idea of exercise last week we spoke a bit about the history of exercise last week and the balance that exercise provides but what are we going to be talking about today yes well as we've highlighted in a number of episodes physical exercise is probably the number one mental health intervention if you're going to pick any one thing that's a booster for our mental health it's physical exercise just as it's about the number one intervention for our physical health as well hence we've had a number of episodes on this topic over the last couple of years but it goes back to the notion that exercise can be difficult it can be difficult to get us motivated like getting up early in the morning when it's cold and all the rest of it and it goes back to that quote that we mentioned last week by Mercuriali, who wrote this famous book, De Art Gymnastica. So this was a book that resurrected interest in physical exercise in the 16th century. But as Mercuriali put it, we in no way dispute that exercise can sometimes be hard and when it is being performed, unpleasant. But good health is not incompatible with some discomfort. So that's the barrier we're talking about. Often we'd find some kind of obstacle, difficulty, barrier because of thinking it will be unpleasant to get going with this particular activity. And so we need something else to help motivate us to do the amount of exercise that's good for us or to engage in these activities. And I will mention some things later on about cold water swimming because it's just completely counterintuitive in some ways. It does look like torture, but funnily enough, it's an activity that really makes you feel fantastic afterwards. So it's that principle about sometimes to engage in something that's difficult, we actually have to think of the benefits ahead of the time and how we might feel later on. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more about this with you today, Dad, because I must admit I'm not one yet who's joined you on a cold water swim. I live in Melbourne, so a little bit further away from the water and maybe we'll have to see how we go after today's episode. But I suppose for me anyway, like I've been reflecting on this over the last week or so and it's quite a, I suppose, a, you know, a poignant time for me in some ways to be looking at this sort of stuff, Dad, because I've had two very starkly contrasted weeks over the last couple of weeks. And part of that is to do with having the family dog with me for about a week or so when you and mum were both out of town for a very well-deserved time away from town. But 
But I had the little dog with me, and she's a bit of an early riser, Dad, as you'd very well know. And basically, any time from you know ten to five in the morning, the dog would be in, basically, you know, waking me up and, and scratching the wall, saying, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go outside for a walk. And I reckon it's been some of the the coldest July mornings in you know decades in Melbourne. It's been really interesting, I suppose, Dad, sort of having no other choice but to get up and get the lead and take little Effie out for a walk at, you know, the sparrows fart in the morning. And I suppose, you know, going through that experience of doing that, like I was getting through those days, like, uh, you know, people out there who don't have an Apple Watch will probably just go, oh, he's another one of those carrying on about his Apple Watch. But when you do have an Apple Watch, you join the cult a little bit. And I was tripling my rings last week with little Effie and and feeling fantastic about it. But I've struggled a bit to get up this week, Dad, even, you know, recognising the benefits of having the dog. It's just been a little bit too cold for me in the morning. So, I think uh, maybe having a bit of a chat about this today and, and with someone like yourself who's been able to go cold water swimming through this time, hopefully it's uh, a little bit's going to rub off at least. Well, I must say I realise I've been taking it a bit for granted having a house with a doggy door, whereas when you live in a unit in Melbourne, you don't have that luxury for your dog to be able to help herself outside. But I'm glad to hear that you've got some benefits from the exercise yourself and getting in those steps and we'd have to say that Effie like many many dogs is a wonderful model and reminder of how good exercise can be. Our dogs have a way of letting us know don't they if they think that they're not getting enough exercise. (laughs) Absolutely and maybe Effie in particular she's got a, uh, a good way of getting you know right up in your face if you haven't taken her for a walk and she's ready to go but I suppose the thing that you know I've really reflected on this week dad is Part of, I think, what's stood in the way is not necessarily being proactive enough about, you know, putting stuff in place to be able to, you know, get up in the morning and just go for it. And, you know, I've had things on, like I've had, you know, some stuff on before work and a couple of nights working later, this sort of stuff. But in many ways, that just further highlights the need to, I suppose, put things in place so that you're not in a position where you wake up in the morning, you know, you just got to basically get up and decide and then you know, do everything from there to basically go through the uh, activity of exercise. But I'm really interested to talk to you today about, about cold water swimming because, you know, to me in some ways, cold water swimming is a little bit of an extreme example because, say, the initial barriers might be, you know, intensified compared to, say, getting up and going for a walk or a run in the morning. Like the water itself would be so much colder than, say, just being outside with a jacket on. So it'd be good to unpack with you, maybe some of the benefits from it, but also your experience with maybe coming up against some of those initial barriers, getting through that, obviously understanding the benefits in maybe a you know an informational sense, but then maybe, I suppose, recognising those benefits like that. It'd be really interesting to chat with you about that today. Yes, well, when I look back on cold water swimming and getting into that, I suppose I start off remembering what a sceptic I was that it would be anything good to do. It did look like torture to me, even when I saw people seeming to enjoy it in some way or at least keep on doing it. But I think like many of us might find, if we develop a habit, it might have started off by something by chance. We didn't maybe expect it to be that way or some opportunity came up or we found ourselves doing something and then liking it more than we expected and kept on doing it. But in my case, what happened is I was going for a jog one day and I saw a friend of mine who was about to jump into the water at Eastern Beach. Now, this was, I think, in July around this time last year. And I thought, well, there'd be nothing worse. 
but I saw a few other people jump in the water and maybe not scream as much as I thought that they might and seeming to get something out of it in whatever kind of way. It looked very strange to me. But at first I didn't have any particular interest in going cold water swimming but Kevin said three things. My friend Kevin, who was there, who'd been doing this, I think, for maybe a month or so beforehand, he said a few things that surprised me because he seemed to be saying these things and meaning it. He said that after a few times of doing this, it didn't feel as uncomfortably cold, like your body adapted. He said, actually, it becomes a little bit addictive to keep on going. Now, that seemed a bit strange. But then he emphasised you feel really good for about half a day afterwards or quite a few hours afterwards or much of the day afterwards. And I must admit that did get my curiosity going a little bit because he obviously meant that. It's hard to understand even how some activity could get you feeling really good to want to jump in that uncomfortable kind of situation. But it did piqued my curiosity a bit, if you like, and a little while later, it might have been a week or two afterwards, I decided to take the plunge, so to speak, and amazingly, I found that all of those things were true. And within a few days of doing this, I really felt like keeping on going. It didn't have so much discomfort attached to it. It did start to feel addictive, and I can certainly say that I felt really good for about half a day afterwards in a range of different ways and that was enough incentive to keep on going but it's not like I planned it at first it was probably just that I went for a jog on this particular day and happened to coincide with when he was taking off around about maybe at that stage it might have been eight o'clock on a Sunday morning. And so I find the way that you describe that there interesting because I think there's something in it in terms of an example that, you know, we can use for other examples of exercise. But, like, it seems that what happened in that, you know, interaction with with your mate Kev, it was like your perspective changed from, you know, the barriers or or kind of what was stopping you. Like I just said, you had no interest in doing it at all. But then your perspective changed to the benefits of it. And, you know, Kev would have helped to kind of mention those, but then once you experienced those, it was almost like the context that you thought of cold water swimming was, it was the benefits of what you get out of it. It wasn't that you were referring to, you know, all the discomfort and the initial shock that, you know, I'm sure happens when you when you jump in and the feeling of breathlessness that I'm sure probably happens when you jump in the first time. But at the same time, like you probably forget that after a little while if you are just so focused on the benefits. Like, I wonder if you think, whether that's, I suppose, a central part of, say, being able to insert exercise into a routine, whether it's how we perceive it. Is it, you know, do we perceive it to be that uncomfortable activity at first? Like, oh, I didn't recognise this thinking back to, you know, my time with Effie. Like, I look back at it now and at the time, like, oh, I got so much benefit from it. But even now, I think, you know, I can think, oh, geez, it was early in the morning and how good is it being able to sort of sleep in till seven o'clock at the moment? And, you know, I'm, I think I'm very much focused on the uncomfortable side of things. But it seems to me that that switch that you made was to focus on the benefits, which helped to, yeah, I suppose, compel you to do it. Yes, and I imagine that this would be something that people experience who go for a walk in the early morning. And you see many people around do that and they can really appreciate the benefit of a wonderful sunrise. That's one thing that you get in winter. You tend to get these wonderful red, orangey sunrises and that can be a reason that gets you back if you like the next day. But one of the things that did strike me is when I first jumped in the water for cold water swimming, 
is, well, I was squealing for the first half minute and gasping for breath virtually. And by the way, that's something that's important to do when you go in to not submerge your head straight off because there is a gasp reflex that we have in cold and there's risk of ingesting water. So it's important to lower yourself in at first. And I was fortunate to see some people around who clearly were doing that rather than just sort of diving in straight off. So it does help sometimes to get a few tips from other people that way. But you were saying something before about perception, how we perceive something. Now, I think one thing that made a big difference in this situation, as well as a number of others will, is when we see someone else do something and benefit from it, there's that kind of modelling, that kind of example, and we're more likely to do that and follow. It might be people engaging in if you like, a solid workout or people lifting weights at a gym. When there are other people around doing something, it can make it easier to do. But I think it helped that I was primed to notice those changes that, as I mentioned, a friend Kevin said about it doesn't remain so uncomfortable after a while, that you feel really good for hours afterwards. I think it almost helps to be open to that or look out for that. But as I learnt later on, there are a number of physiological reasons why all those things are true. So it does really help if we find some kind of activities or exercises that there is all this evidence that it's true. And one thing we know generally about physical exercise is it does lead to increases in endorphins and dopamine and serotonin generally. So there are these kind of benefits, these feel-good chemicals, if you like, that make a difference. But Yes, it can help seeing other people responding to that and also then having the personal experience ourselves that helps us get out of bed the next day to do the same thing. It's a little bit like in, uh, you know, have a bit of a saying in golf in terms of, you know, all you need is one good shot and it'll get you back for the day. And you can play 18 holes and you can stink up 17 of them, but you only need that one to get you back. And I'm wondering if that's a little bit like, say, the benefits sort of side of things in terms of, you know, it can be a whole range of discomforts that come in with, you know, for example, getting up early in the morning, particularly when it's as cold as it is at the moment, like it's absolutely freezing. But at the same time, if we can isolate a benefit or if we can pick a benefit or a couple of benefits that we've found, maybe if we can reflect on those and maybe say cultivate those a little bit in terms of our our thinking and reflection, it seems that that might help a little bit too. Yes, and one thing with that thinking of the benefits as you highlight, one thing that can really help a shift in mindset, it's actually something that I heard on a podcast about cold water swimming that would apply to a whole range of exercises and physical activity. And this is the notion that if we do something which takes us out of the comfort zone, so we feel that things aren't so in balance for a period of time, that can actually be good for our health because our systems that get our body back in equilibrium are then exercised. So if we're pushing ourselves with whatever physical activity, then that puts our body under moderate stress. Well, that's actually a good thing. That's positive for our health because then our body is practicing dealing with that moderate kind of challenge and then practicing getting us back into some kind of homeostasis, meaning regulated kind of experience, regulated state, physical state afterwards. Now, funnily enough, we also know that about psychological stress. Moderate psychological stress in some ways can be good for us. It actually leads to neuroplasticity. One other thing that leads to neuroplasticity is physical exercise itself, as well as 
new learning, like novel learning or novel experiences. It could be going to a different country, also has novelty to it. But knowing that exercise actually gives us new brain cells, that's a positive thing. And it also helps our body practice our regulation kind of mechanisms, which is good for our body. That means that the discomfort itself can be one of the worthwhile aspects of exercise. If we reframe it that way, that part of the purpose of exercise is to allow ourselves to be in a degree of discomfort in a way that benefits our body, but we can focus on the other things, the enjoyment of it, we can do it with other people, we can do it in nature, or just the feelings that we have afterwards, then that can help us manage that discomfort while we get the benefits from it. And there's just one, I suppose, particular physiological measure that I want to drill down on because I I think it's so important and it's one that doesn't really get spoken about much but it has such a big effect on our obviously mood and health both physical and mental but that's heart rate variability. Do you want to just explain a little bit what heart rate variability is and how it can be affected by if we exercise because that's something that potentially isn't spoken about as much in terms of if we develop practices of exercise, improve our heart rate variability. Well, that's something that can help us in our mood, in our ability to, say, react a little bit more passively, to not get as tied up with our emotions. Do you want to just speak to what heart rate variability is? Because it's such an important measure. Yes, and this is such a worthwhile topic that we might have a future podcast episode on this, but heart rate variability is something which has been highlighted by the HeartMath organisation as being helpful for our physical health, and they have a whole range of resources for educating people about the benefits of heart rate variability. But there's this general notion that our heart rate is not the same all the time. Like I thought basically it's very steady. But in fact, when we breathe in and when we breathe out, our heart rate changes to some extent. And in some ways, the more that that changes and changes according to a certain kind of regular pattern, that leads to a higher level of what's called heart rate coherence. Now, we know that when we have a good level of heart rate variability and heart rate coherence, that actually correlates with things like positive physical health measures, even longevity, we know is enhanced by having good heart rate variability and coherence. But one thing I'll mention as an aside, which surprised me, is after coming back from cold water swims over the last month, I thought, oh, actually... I'll use this heart math device and measure heart rate variability and see how that goes. Now, the most regulated that I've been over the last six weeks of using this heart math device has been after cold water swimming. Without any effort at all, I've tended to go into quite a regular kind of pattern with good heart rate variability. And I must admit, that's one of the other little objective signs, if you like, that reflects something I've felt on the inside, this really feels good for you and leads you to feel in a good balance afterwards. And the way that I think of heart rate variability, like, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but you know, I almost think about it you know, like a, a deer, for example. If you've got like a, a deer drinking at a water hole, it sees a predator, you know, the heart rate is just going to be going off the walls, it's just going to be through the roof, overwhelmed, running, trying to get away. But then as soon as it's away from that predator... Well, if it has, for example, high heart rate variability, well, then it's able to calm itself quite quickly. It's not necessarily stuck in that situation of, of always fearful of that predator they've seen before. Like it seems that it's just, it helps to, 
I suppose maybe ride the sort of bumps, the highs and lows of life a little bit in terms of if we exercise, if we develop you know, a regular practice of exercise, like our heart is literally more responsive. So we're, we're less stuck in an emotional state because we've been able to develop the ability to, oh, I suppose, change between the different situations that we come across. Yes, we can more efficiently regulate ourselves. One thing I'll mention as an aside with heart rate variability is if I've not been doing any exercise beforehand or just generally spending five minutes or so measuring it, the thing that I find really helps is being in the present moment and actually just following the wave, if you like. There's a visual wave that you see with this heart math device that helps you monitor and see this representation of your heart rate variability. And if you focus on the wave and it's nice and smooth and regulated and you're focusing in the moment, you have higher heart rate variability and a more coherent pattern that goes with it. Whereas if you start getting ahead of yourself and you think, oh, what do I have to do next? Or otherwise you think, hey, if I keep on going for a while, this will turn out maybe really well. It's a bit like when you play golf and you think, hey, if I keep on playing well like this, I'll get a really good score. Your game tends to go to the pack. The same with heart rate variability. You get distracted away and you lose that coherence. And that's one of the things I really like about physical exercise and one of the things I especially like about cold water swimming. It's difficult not to be in the moment. Initially because of that somatic experience that draws attention to what you're feeling at the time. But fortunately, even within seconds, that tends to pass but you tend to be staying in the moment, especially if you're practicing some kind of rhythmic stroke or you're breathing or something like that. And much exercise is like that. Even walking and taking in a sunrise or just even the regular rhythm of one foot fall after another, but a whole range of different kind of physical activities for exercise help us be in the present moment. Well, I think that's so true and, and just one quick other thing I want to mention about heart rate variability before we move on, like I had it explained to me once in terms of, you know, I think we've all been in a situation where, you know, you want to go out and do your exercise, maybe it's a Monday, maybe you've had a bit of a big weekend, maybe you get pretty disappointed about the state of your fitness at that time and part of that of course is say, you, you know, you've been, you know, say drinking over the weekend, whatever it is, it's going to affect your heart rate variability over the subsequent days, which is then going to affect your, you know, ability to exercise, doesn't necessarily mean it's your fitness. So to me, it's also a sign to not necessarily get discouraged if you go through one day where you're a little bit disappointed, like heart rate variability, which could be, you know, affected by a multitude of potentially more temporary factors than your base level of fitness that could be something at play. So I think it is something to, to keep in mind, certainly. Yes, and it's interesting when we do get those objective indicators, including a very sophisticated indicator like heart rate variability, but it comes back to something even more basic, how we feel in ourselves. And one of the things I found interesting with that correlation of the heart rate variability and feeling good after the cold water swimming it helps affirm something that you already really kind of know. How good you're feeling inside is representing that there are good things happening in your body. And shortly we might talk about some of this, what does happen in your body. We know of things that happen with exercise, but there's some extra things that happen with cold water swimming or cold water immersion. And knowing of that can help it work even better. But when it comes down to it, it really helps to be attuned to what helps us feel good what helps us feel good inside, what helps us feel good in our body 
And if we tend to feel good in our body after we've exercised, it's worth remembering that. Remember that because it might help get past that barrier of waking up, feeling a bit tired, it's cold. Will I get out of bed for a walk or a run or a swim or whatever? It might be uncomfortable and hard to do, but remembering how we feel afterwards, that's often one of the main motivators that gets us going again. Well, let's get into some of what those benefits are, Dad, because obviously some of them are going to relate to physical exercise in itself, but some of them will, will be related to just cold water swimming just in itself. And and I know Wim Hof is someone, you mentioned the, the Wim Hof swimming group earlier on, like he's someone who's done extensive research and developed a, I believe, a, a breathing pattern that helps with cold water immersion. But what are some of the benefits of cold water swimming in particular? Because I, I've heard of examples of people... For example, taking a cold shower after coming across some of these. So I'm, I'm sure they're pretty compelling. Yes, well, to understand this more, I was fortunate to come across a podcast that your mum put me on to, this Mind Body Brain Project podcast, which involved Paul Taylor, the host, interviewing Professor Mike Tipton, who's a professor of human and applied physiology, and he's done much study over many years of cold water immersion. And he described a number of things that made perfect sense in terms of the experience I had that, again, that Kevin had informed me of. And one of the things was it doesn't feel as cold after a number of times. Well, what happens when you swim is after about half a dozen immersions so a number of days swimming, for example, the bodily shock response that you get from the cold water, that shock response is halved after about six immersions. So literally, your body does react differently physiologically once you've done it for a number of times. But at first, it doesn't feel as bad as you would think. And there are a number of reasons for this. Some of what's happening in your body, for example, capillaries near your skin are closing up and your body actually starts warming up. The core of your body starts warming and this is a neural mechanism. It warms for about 10 minutes. After that, your body will probably be cooling down because the water around you. And I notice that this time in winter, most people seem to swim for about 10 minutes which is interesting because that allows for that warming response to help us get by. But what happens initially, it actually makes you feel good. What that's to do with is the release of certain kinds of stress hormones. So norepinephrine or noradrenaline and cortisol are stress hormones released pretty quickly after you get in the water and that makes you feel alive. That's that alive feeling and you certainly feel that with cold water swimming that gets you in the moment. But then soon afterwards, also you're getting a release of serotonin, a calming kind of neurotransmitter, and dopamine. Now, these are also neurotransmitters that are released with physical exercise generally. But I think the calming effect, and dopamine, that actually is the neurotransmitter that's behind addictions. It's a motivating kind of feel-good neurotransmitter. That's the kind of thing that will tend to get you coming back. And no doubt also there are the endorphins that are released when engaging in other kinds of exercise as well. So you have all these kind of benefits. And in addition to that, you also have an anti-inflammatory effect. So that's where you see a number of footballers, for example, on the day after a football game, going down to the water, maybe thigh deep. 
so that's good for their legs after playing football. So you've got these other kind of physical benefits as well, but it's particularly that norepinephrine, the stress hormones that make you feel alive, the serotonin has a calming effect, the dopamine kind of pleasure and a motivating kind of effect. These are the kind of things afterwards that make you feel really good for a number of hours afterwards and help get you back. Actually, a number of people have noticed it as like a kind of antidepressant and it actually has some of the physiological benefits of antidepressant medication. Well, that is a fascinating and, you know, in many ways compelling set of benefits there, Dad. And look, it just seems to me, you know, like as you were describing that there, I'm thinking, oh, I know the symptoms of a hypothermia, <laughs> but at the same time, like I do see that uh, if you go through that, you would get the benefit. Like it is one thing that, yeah, look, I even, you know, look back and you know, say last week sort of thing. It was one of the things I was thinking yesterday is I, I didn't get out basically as at my desk till about 10 o'clock last night and started about 8 o'clock yesterday morning. So it was a, a pretty big day. And yeah, I was just like thinking, you know, there last night, like, you know, how many extra kind of chemicals are in my body that haven't been able to kind of flow through their usual channels today. So I think it is, uh, it's one of those things that once you develop a bit of a awareness of that sort of stuff, I think it just does kind of go, you know, away there in the back of your mind and you know, it is compelling, I think, to get up and going. So, look, I'll, I won't lock myself in for a, uh, a session in the next couple of days, but uh, maybe one night if I'm uh, staying at your and mum's place, we might uh, see how, have to see how we go. And so, yeah, one of the wonderful things is after doing something like that, how good you can feel after doing it. But I suppose, like you're suggesting too, to get into that situation in the first place, it does help to have something that nudges you along. And that's where it makes a big difference. For example, if you are meeting a friend, I'm sure I wouldn't likely have followed through if it hadn't been knowing that a friend was down there waiting at a certain time and you look to you know, get up and get there on time so you can go swimming with a friend. And then after that, you find that you enjoyed enough if you notice the benefits and how you feel afterwards that even if you're on your own, you'll go down because you know, you're going to be feeling good for that time afterwards. Yeah, look, I think that's absolutely true. And the other thing as well is to recognise what some of the barriers in the first place are sort of thing. Like for me, a big one is, you know, if you get your stuff out the night before, then it's not a whole thing of, oh, I've got to find clothes where I'm going to be warm enough and all this sort of stuff. So I think that is such a good point. You know, for me anyway, like it's such a central point for exercise and all this sort of stuff. Like it's, if you can be proactive, like connecting you know, yourself to the benefits is obviously a huge part of that. But I think it is also about recognising like what infrastructure can you put in place, whether it is you know, meeting up with a friend or a group or whether it is you know, just getting your uh, clothes out in the morning. Like if I look back and you know, I'm honest with myself, there's some ridiculous excuses that you've used over the time. You know, whether it be, oh, I can't find you know, my warmest jacket or I can only find one shoe. You look back at it now and you just, oh, what am I doing? But at the same time, on those mornings, those barriers are pretty compelling. But if we can put as much as possible in place to get over what those barriers are, then that is the easiest way to go about it. Yes, I think like you're saying, we sometimes call them nudge factors, don't we? You get your clothes out the previous day or you find your bathers because if you're rummaging around for a few minutes and you hadn't found them, you might feel like going back to bed. You get stuff ready the day before, you have a towel ready or if you're going for a walk, you get your walking shoes or your running shoes ready, you get your gym gear ready if you're looking to go to the gym. They're those kind of nudge factors. But also we're highlighting another kind of nudge factor which is to do with anticipation. 
and it's anticipating how good you feel afterwards, which is partly because of the serotonin and the dopamine and the endorphins. But there's another factor. It's feeling good because you've actually gone out there and done that. You've got up and gone for the walk. You've maybe got up and got to the gym or gone for a run. Or certainly that aspect with cold water swimming, which funny enough, it has this other almost like virtuous element to it. You feel virtuous because you know it was difficult and yet you've done it. And so that's the benefit that you have afterwards. So when we remember that, even before we get out and get going... We anticipate that lasting pleasure we'll have for some hours afterwards and the feeling of satisfaction and achievement for having done it. That's one of the best ways of getting ourselves to do some enjoyable exercise. Well, that again, you know, seems such a a central thing in terms, you know, there's going to be so many physiological benefits to it. But at the end of the day, if we recognise that we have gotten over those barriers, uh, of which that, you know, they're legitimate, but it doesn't mean that we can't get past them. And and as you say, I, I think there's, you know, untold benefits if we do in many ways. Like one of the things that strikes me about, you know, obviously physical exercise, like sport and all this sort of stuff, like there's kind of layers to it. And you get over, obviously, the first layer of just getting there in the first place. And then you start to get into it a little bit. And you look back and you think, geez, I've come a long way. And then you go a little way further down the line and you start to have a few, I suppose, high-level conversations with people who share the same interest. And you can almost speak at a bit of a higher technical ability. And then you think, oh, I don't know if I would have been able to have this conversation or think about things in these terms a month or two ago. And and then so you just realise that, again, you've come further and then that keeps going and keeps going. And it's almost like you just reach these kind of next levels with things. And I think, you know... Cold water swimming, it seems to be a bit like that. Like I'm, I'm sure you'd have a bit of a different experience if we were to go out tomorrow morning. I'd probably be a little bit, uh, a little bit more sooky. But at the same time, I think it is something that, you know, if we recognise, you know, we can get past these barriers and they are worth getting past. And, and even, you know, like Dad, one of my absolute, probably my favourite thing to do is, is play golf and have been working on my golf game a little bit recently and, you know, love and watching all the professional golf on recently. But I think I might... Uh, I might try and find something a little bit more vigorous to do over the next little while. Like I'm just thinking I've uh, got a few friends who, gee, we have a, a good competitive game of tennis or whatever it is. I think uh, it's about time to get those competitive juices flowing again because to me anyway, that's something that certainly gets me going and, and moving. And yeah, as we've described today and, and last week, I think there's so many benefits to putting yourself in that situation and, and not necessarily giving yourself a choice. You're just going to do it. It's going to be part of your routine and, and, yeah, you're going to get so many benefits from it. Yes, and I think one of the things that comes up there is it helps for us to have our own personal ways of enjoying exercise. Like you say, competitive tennis can be one way of doing that or having a game where you enjoy that fun element of competition as well could be for some people they might enjoy that, other people less so. It's coming up with your own recipe. That's a whole lot of this and realising that, Walking a dog is excellent exercise. Also, if you have physical work, that's good. If you walk to work and you actually climb up a number of steps on the way, the steps themselves are a form of exercise, like we talked about last week, when we realise that what we're doing in other activities of our everyday, even if we didn't do it for the purpose of exercise, if it involves physical activity, it gets our heart rate up, it might change our breathing pattern even, 
but certainly getting our heart rate up a bit, and we perceive that as exercise, we'll get some of the benefits from that. But many of us can do well to add different things into our routine to supplement what we might do in our work. Well, thanks for chatting with me about all this today, Dad. It's, it's an interesting one. I must admit, you know, when, when you first mentioned, oh, let's do a couple more episodes on exercise, I thought, oh, look, we have done a couple on exercise already. And, you know, I did wonder about, you know, how many sporting stories and references I can get in. And, but uh, it's been good to, I think, touch back on it, I suppose, in a bit of a different way to what we have in the past too, because you know, it's one of those things like, Everyone knows that you should exercise. Like it's, yeah, it's almost it can be a bit preachy. I think at times, and as I say, look, I'm someone who'd, who'd like to do a little bit more exercise. I love doing it, and you know, certainly get out a few times a week, sort of thing. But um, yeah, I think you know, particularly looking back at school, you know, I was someone every day, you know, running around, and you know, obviously work gets in the way and all this sort of stuff. But I think it's highlighted, I suppose, the need to maybe just have a bit of a look at the schedule every so often and think, hold on, maybe I've haven't prioritised this as much as I should in the last little while. And so maybe I'll, uh, yeah, I might have to hit you and mum up and, and see if I can borrow the dog again soon, Dad. That sounds good. And actually, as we were talking just before, I remembered one time we went on a three-day hike at Wilson's Promontory. And I remember you getting in, I think, little Waterloo Bay it was. That was pretty damn cold at the time. And you handled that pretty well at the time, I remember. You might be a cold water swim waiting to happen. But if you do, I've got to say, get one of those thick bathing caps. Because one thing you don't want, and cold water swimmers will know of this if they weren't well equipped, you don't want an ice cream headache. (laughs) 